What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about the movies The Car Counter, Respect, and The Lost Daughter. First, let's talk about the movie The Card Counter. Here's a quick synopsis. William Tell is a gambler who learned how to count cards in prison, yet has no interest in gaining a fortune until he meets a young man named Kirk, who is trying to recruit Tell to deal with a dark figure from both of their past. The reason I was interested in this movie is because of the star of the film, Oscar Isaac, and the writer and director of the film is Paul Schrader. The film stars Isaac along with Tiffany Haddish, Ty Sheridan, and Willem Dafoe. And the standout performance from the card counter comes from Oscar Isaac, who in my humble opinion gives his second best leading performance behind only inside Lewin Davis. He's playing this guy in Willem Tell, who did something horrible paid for it and is now just quietly moving on with his life and then his entire world changes when he meets Kirk played by Ty Sheridan who he desperately wants to help and LaLinda played by Haddish who he begins to fall in love with. This is an example of how an understated performance can be as exciting as a showy one. Isaac had a fantastic 2021 with a supporting role in Dune. I thought he was great in that film especially his scenes with Timothy Chalamet, and he's unbelievable in scenes from a marriage with Jessica Chastain. Isaac's performance in The Card Counter should lead to his first Oscar nomination, but sadly, it most likely will not. What will it take for Isaac to get nominated? He's been great in Inside Lewin Davis, A Most Violent Year, Ex Machina, and The Card Counter. My fear is when he finally gets nominated, it will be for an unworthy performance. The other free performances in The Card Counter given by Ty Sheridan, Tiffany Haddish, and Willem Dafoe are not bad per se. They are just unmemorable. The free characters are in the movie just to motivate the main character to change. They are not drawn out. They feel underwritten. For instance, the way he meets and connects with Kirk, played by Sheridan, feels unnatural and their relationship feels unearned and forced. Let's talk about the writer and director of The Card Counter, Paul Schrader, because going all the way back to Taxi Driver, writer and director Schrader likes to make movies about troubled men who have dark thoughts. Usually the character writes down these thoughts in a diary entry and it's cool seeing great leading men get their turn playing this type of character. Willem Dafoe in Light Sleeper plays John Latour who wants to give up his life as a drug dealer. In the film First Reformed Ethan Hawke plays Pastor Ernest Toller who is having a crisis of faith and now you have Isaac as Willem Tell in the card counter. Some might feel like Schrader is making the same movie over and over again and there may be some truth in that but not enough filmmakers make movies like these ones and it's crazy that the guy who wrote Taxi Driver and Raging Bull has one Oscar nominated screenplay and it's for First Reformed. My favorite screenwriters are the ones who have common elements in all of their movies. For instance in an Aaron Sorkin written movie you always get the walk and talk and in a Wes Anderson movie you often get a narrator. And the same goes for Schrader. In his films, you get religious undertones, and 
in most of his movies, they are about middle-aged men having second thoughts about where their life is headed and what they've done in the past. The Card Counter is a really good film that could have been great if there were one more solid performance other than Oscar Isaacs. A great performance can make a good movie. It does so in The Card Counter. But great movies have more than one noteworthy performance. That's why I think Schrader's other films like Light Sleeper and First Reformed are better than The Card Counter. Not only do those films have great leading performances from Willem Dafoe and Ethan Hawke, but they also have great supporting performances. In Light Sleeper, you get a great supporting turn from Susan Sarandon, and in First Reformed, you have Amanda Seyfried giving one of the best performances of her career. And look at the other films that he's written for Martin Scorsese. In Taxi Driver, you don't just have Robert De Niro, you have Jodie Foster, and in Raging Bull, you don't just have De Niro, you have Joe Pesci. Great movies have more than one great performance. That is the biggest flaw of The Card Counter, and that's why it's only a really good film, not a great one. With a movie title like The Card Counter, you would expect it to be a fun film about poker and gambling like 24 or Rounders, but this film is anything but that. It's a rewarding, interesting character piece. The Card Counter might not be the best movie of 2021, but it is a really good one, led by a great performance by Oscar Isaac. I highly recommend you check out The Card Counter. Now let's switch gears and talk about the movie Respect. Here's a quick synopsis. The film chronicles the beginning of legendary singer Aretha Franklin's career, depicting both her personal struggles and her early success as a music superstar. This is a film that I wanted to see because I know what everyone's been talking about. They've said it's an okay movie with a really great performance. And for the most part, I agree with that. The film stars Jennifer Hudson, Forrest Whitaker, Marlon Wayans, Mark Marin, Titus Burgess, and Mary J. Blige. And the standout performances come from Jennifer Hudson, whose performance uplifts the movie, which is otherwise just a typical biopic. Hudson is best known for her musical career, American Idol and all that. Her film career is fascinating, though. In and of itself, she's won an Oscar for her first performance ever in Dreamgirls with Eddie Murphy, Jamie Foxx, and Beyonce, and she really hasn't been in that many good things since. She's been in The Free Stooges, which is one of the most disappointing comedies ever, Sandy Wexler, which is a bad Adam Sandler Netflix comedy, and she was in Cats, one of the most mocked films in recent movie history. She did, however, have a very good 2021. First, she had a supporting role in Monster, which is a super underrated film with Kelvin Harrison Jr. and Jeffrey Wright, and now with Respect. Very few people could have pulled off playing Aretha Franklin, and Hudson does so perfectly. And then you have Mark Maron, who is best known as a comedian and podcaster, and in recent years, he's also become one of the most reliable actors. I especially love him in the TV shows Easy and Glow, and in this film, he plays musical producer Jerry Wexler, and this movie is infinitely better when he enters it. It's interesting to point out that in 2020, he was in a movie about another musical icon, David Bowie, called Stardust. Let's get into what I liked about this movie. For someone like myself who did not know all that much about Aretha Franklin, the film gives some eye-opening facts, including that she had two kids while she was a teen. The other thing I found out was how much success she had at a young age. The song Respect 
came out when she was only 23 years old. I had no idea that Aretha Franklin was having so much life experience at such a young age. That to me was the most interesting thing about the film was that she wasn't able to handle all of this because of her age and sometimes I feel like the film kind of forgets that. Like the people around her don't talk about the fact that she's that young. I think that should have been the center point of the entire film. That's what I found most interesting about the film and that's what I liked about the film was that it was telling me all those things about her that I did not know. If you had done an entire film about the fact that a 23 year old was dealing with all of this success and it was about that and how you deal with that that would have been a better movie than what respect is and I feel like the reason that the movie avoids that topic of her dealing with all of this at that young age because that's what Aretha Franklin did in real life when she was alive she never talked about the fact that she was a teenage mother twice over she didn't talk about those topics so it felt like that's what the movie was doing it was avoiding those topics but that's not what movies are for movies are supposed to handle the topics that the real life person didn't want to deal with they were supposed to give us the whole picture I don't think the film respect gives us the whole picture of Aretha Franklin's life and when it does it's doing it on her terms I don't think these type of movies should ever be on the person's term and I know that Aretha Franklin had some involvement in the film she chose Jennifer Hudson to play her in the movie I think if you want the most honest and truthful version of someone's life in film the person who the movie is about should not be involved in the movie that's why I'm a little doubtful about the film King Richard because the Williams sisters are involved in a film about their own father and Aretha Franklin is involved in a movie about her life again she wasn't alive when the movie was made but she picked Jennifer Hudson I think they made the movie that they knew Aretha Franklin would want them to make and I have kind of an issue with that and well yes I did learn some facts about an icon I didn't know however respect falls in the same trap that most biopics deal with there is so much going on for one movie many elements of Franklin's life are rushed like the idea of her failed marriages and her failed relationships the movie depicts those relationships but they don't really get to the reason why why does Aretha Franklin go to someone right after getting a divorce from her husband who was abusive why does Aretha Franklin go through these patterns the movie doesn't want to explain her life it just wants to show her life and the craziest thing about that how it feels rushed is that the movie is two and a half hours long think about that the movie is two and a half hours long yet it does not concentrate on any one event in her life the film is that long which sounds like enough time but it lacks focus and that is an issue that is happening with most musical biopics lately Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man have the exact same flaws all three films have great leading performances in Bohemian Rhapsody Rami Malek won an Oscar for playing Freddie Mercury Karen Edgerton is great as Elton John and Rocket Man and now in respect you have Jennifer Hudson as Aretha Franklin and I think they all have that same issue and I'll go back to it the musicians who the movies are about are involved in the making of the film I mean Queen was super involved in the making of Bohemian Rhapsody Elton John was involved in the making of Rocket Man and Aretha Franklin chose Jennifer Hudson to portray her in respect I think the best musical biopics and the best biopics period have zero involvement from the people that the movies are about my other 
another issue with this movie is how it lazily solves all of Aretha's problems. I don't think it handles her issue with care. It doesn't give any of them enough time. At one point, she makes an album and feels better, and the resolution with her father, who's played by Forrest Whitaker, was also not earned. It just happened, and that's my main issue with the film. It's just a ton of things happening without much thought and care. It all wants to be as a boring biopic, and yes, that's what it is for the most part. It's watchable. I just feel like her life deserved a better movie. I recommended just to watch Hudson, who is great in the film. And finally, what is this film's Oscar chances? The only thing capable of getting an Oscar nomination from this film is Jennifer Hudson's performance. And you already have Jessica Chastain in the eyes of Tammy Faye. And I don't think the Academy Awards is going to nominate two performances from two imperfect movies. I think only one of them gets in, and I think it's going to be Jessica Chastain. If you want to know more about Aretha Franklin's life, I recommend you watch the film Respect. Jennifer Hudson is really good in the movie. She's the main selling point. If you're a fan of Jennifer Hudson, check out Respect. Now let's switch gears one final time and talk about the movie The Lost Daughter. Here's a quick synopsis. Leda, a professor, is on a trip in Italy where she meets Nina, a young mother who reminds her of her past with her two daughters. The film stars Olivia Coleman, Dakota Johnson, Jesse Buckley, Ed Harris, Peter Sarsgaard, and Paul Meskel. And these standout performances come from Olivia Coleman, who gives the most unique performance of her career. She's become famous for playing fun, bubbly characters in The Favorite, where she won the Oscar, and in The Father. In this movie, she's playing a character that is much darker and complicated. She carries the film. I think it's the best film performance of Olivia Coleman's career. And then you have Dakota Johnson who most of the time relies on her movie star charm. That's not the case in this film. It's not my favorite of her performances but you could make the argument it is her best acting performance. And finally you have Jesse Buckley who in my opinion is the best actress who isn't a household name. I don't know what role is going to put her on the map but I really hope it's a lost daughter. She continues to be terrific in both movies. I'm thinking of ending things and in television shows like the miniseries War and Peace. Olivia Coleman will next star in the films Wonka with Timothy Chalamet and Empire of the Light with Colin Firth directed by Sam Mendes. Dakota Johnson will next star in Persuasion a Jane Austen adaptation with Henry Golding and Jesse Buckley will appear in Women Talking with Rooney Mara, Claire Foy, Frances McDormand and Ben Whishaw. The Lost Daughter is the directorial debut of Maggie Gyllendal who herself is best known as an actress in the movies The Dark Knight where she played Rachel, the love interest of Bruce Wayne and Harvey Dent, Crazy Heart where she was nominated for a Best Supporting Actress Oscar and for her supporting roles in some really underrated indies. Away we go. She's hilarious in this film and she has a crazy scene with John Krasinski and Frank with Donald Gleason and Michael Fassbender. 2021 in general has been an incredible year for first time filmmakers. You not only have Hall, you also have Rebecca Hall with Passing, Lin-Manuel Miranda with Tick Tick Boom, James Samuel with The Harder They Fall, and Michael Sarnowski for Pig. The Lost Daughter is unique in the way it depicts motherhood. It shows how scary at times it can be raising a child and how uncontrollable at times kids can be. And you as a parent can have scary moments and thoughts. In this movie, Nina, the character played by Dakota Johnson, has a daughter who is going for 
her a hard time because she lost her doll for all reasons. As an adult, this is not a big problem, but for the child, the doll is everything and is irreplaceable. There's a moment in the movie where Dakota Johnson's Nina has to put up posters to help find the doll like it's a lost child or a dog. That's how important the doll is to maintaining this child's sanity. That's a lot to handle. Let's talk about the lost daughter's Oscar chances. Olivia Coleman is going to get a nomination for Best Lead Actress. She's been nominated and won for The Favorite, and she was nominated for her role in The Father. Dakota Johnson and Jesse Buckley should both get strong consideration for Best Supporting Actress, and I think Maggie Gyllenhaal has the best chance of any new director I just mentioned earlier to get nominated for Best Director and could also get nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. And overall, the movie itself is most likely getting a Best Picture nomination, which I think it deserves so many films about mothers trying to desperately make the characters likable, and this film doesn't care about doing that. It cares about making it feel like it's real. It reminded me of another movie book adaptation, Wildlife, which was directed by Paul Dano and starred Carrie Mulligan and Maggie Gyllenhaal's brother Jake Gyllenhaal. And what Wildlife and The Lost Daughter have in common is they are both about parents who are afraid of being parents and don't have all the answers about raising children. We as a society act like every mother has all the answers because they are adults. But in a lot of cases, the adults are more scared than the children themselves. In The Lost Daughter, Lita, the character played by Coleman, is trying to balance motherhood with her career. It's not easy and real life parenthood needs to be depicted more on screen. Life is not like Full House. Not everyone is laughing all the time. We're not all enjoying life every single moment of the time. We all go through hardships. That's why I think The Lost Daughter is a memorable watch and one of the best movies of the year. I want to end this podcast by making a proclamation. This is the year that a Netflix movie is finally going to win Best Picture. We've been talking about this for a long time. We've had movies like The Irishman, The Trial of the Chicago 7. Netflix has been nominated for Best Picture with a marriage story, but this is the year that they are going to win. I think either The Power of the Dog or The Lost Daughter is going to be the movie that wins Best Picture. I think Power of the Dog has the better chance of being the movie, but I also think The Lost Daughter has a real solid chance of winning Best Picture. I think Jane Campion is going to win Best Director no matter what. Sorry, Maggie Gyllenhaal. I think Gyllenhaal will walk away with a Best Screenplay Oscar, but I think these are the two films that the Oscars are going to come down to. It doesn't matter that they're on streaming. It doesn't matter that they didn't make money. These are two of the better films of the year and they are the consensus movies that everyone likes. I don't think Belfast is going to win Best Picture. I think it's going to come down to The Power of the Dog and The Lost Daughter at the Oscars. And I wouldn't be mad if The Lost Daughter won because it is a really good movie. I highly recommend you check out the film The Lost Daughter. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney and there'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday. Thursday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and this week, I put the spotlight on the movies The Card Counter, Respect, and The Lost Daughter. This Friday, there will be a second episode of the podcast this week, where I will be talking about the biggest movie on the planet right now, Spider-Man No Way Home, starring Tom Holland, with fellow Spider-Man actors Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, along with Zendaya, Marissa Tomei, Willem Dafoe, Alfred Molina, Jamie
Jamie Foxx, Jacob Batalon, and Benedict Cumberbatch, directed by John Watts. And next week on the podcast, I will be talking about the movies The Tragedy of Macbeth, starring Oscar-winning actors Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand, written and directed by Joel Cohen, and The Tender Bar, starring Ty Sheridan and Ben Affleck, directed by George Clooney. So tune into those two podcasts, and please rate, review, and subscribe. Subscribe.